0: Hi friends, welcome to Coffee with Caregivers. I'm your host, Jess Rani, also known as Jess Plus The Mess. I'm an author, speaker, and founder of the Lucas Project, a nonprofit dedicated to bringing recognition, resources, and respite to special needs families. I created Coffee with Caregivers as a space to bring awareness to the struggles that families often face, including difficulties related to finances, mental health, and everything else in between. It is my belief that stories can change the world, and through conversations with caregivers, I hope to provide awareness which will lead to compassion and resources. Thanks for joining me today, but first, a word from our sponsors. Hi Lauren, welcome to Coffee with Caregivers. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course, I'm excited to get to know you a little bit better. So I guess let's just begin by hearing your story. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and where you live and what you do and all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, so me and my husband uh, and our son Leo, who's five, we all live in Oklahoma on a ranch. We've got horses and cattle and live kind of the, the farm life over here. So we spend a lot of time outdoors. Uh, my son Leo, he has a rare genetic disorder called a Cardi-Gutierrez syndrome. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about us. I actually work as I'm a special needs mom life coach. Okay. Yeah, and my husband runs a ranch.
0: So. Okay. Well, let's talk about Leo a little bit. How old is he? He is five. He just turned five. Okay. And when did you find out about his diagnosis?
1: We found out, uh, we actually got the diagnosis. He was about 10 months old, 11 months old, right around there. Uh, We knew right from the beginning, first few days, that something was probably not, you know, something was going on. So, but it took quite a while to figure out what it was.
0: What led you to those thoughts? Can you walk us through that a little bit? Uh,
1: Yeah, so at birth, he had trouble. um, And we had a C-section. It just, things weren't progressing. Later find out it was probably due to his low tone. Uh, he couldn't maintain his temperature. He had a lot of signs like he was uh preemie, but yet he was almost full term. It was 36 weeks. Uh, so he couldn't regulate temperature. He was having trouble uh, feeding. So we had just some issues like that. There was some odd blood work. It was just very small things here or there. Uh, finally led us to go to a children's hospital where we admitted for quite a while right after birth for several weeks, Uh, did an MRI, and they found out that the white matter in his brain just wasn't quite as formed as it should be. Um, I said, well, you know, this is common in preemies, but he's not a Mm -hmm. preemie. So they're like, it was kind of, that kind of started everything. Uh, He said, it might come in, we don't know, he might have what's called a leukodystrophy, which is a white matter disease. So more testings, uh, just as things went on, there was a lot of unknowns. He wasn't hitting milestones at all, you know, um nothing at all, no smiles, wasn't able to roll over really very limited movements and he did have some odd startle movements or odd like jerks um, yeah, there's just a lot of little things that added up, and they just kind of progressed over
0: time. okay, so none of that was picked up throughout the pregnancy, like they didn't nope. see any of that on ultrasounds or nope. Uh-uh. And even
1: the first few days of life, the doctors insisted. They're like, "Oh no, you guys are just worried, new parents. You know, this is common. It's fine. He's okay."
0: <laughs> and this so. is your your first child. How how do you work through that as a mom, where you're thinking that you're going to have a completely healthy child, and then a few days after, you're starting to see these things, and come to find out, there's this diagnosis and just walk me through that a little bit. What, what do your emotions look like through all of this? There's a
1: lot of overwhelm and anxiety, a lot of grief. I think we went through the stages of grief that first year. You know, there was denial. Oh, yeah, he'll be fine. This is all just, he'll grow out of it. And doctors mm-hmm. supported that, they said he might grow out of this. This might just be a weird thing. Um, <laughs> so we did kind of go through those natural stages of grief. And it wasn't, it was a hard time. It was a very hard time in our lives, uh, and I'm, I'm glad I had my husband. He was great support. We really leaned into each other on that,
0: um, but it was very overwhelming. Can you pronounce what he has again?
1: Yeah, it is a cardi Boudier syndrome. Okay. Or AGS, as we call it.
0: AGS. Okay, I <laughs> haven't heard of that. Um, yeah. Can you give us some details about what that looks like for him, and then also what that means for your family?
1: Yeah. So actually, even how we ended up getting that diagnosis, they did a full exome sequencing and you know, they took my husband and my blood and Leo's as well, and several month long process. But whenever we did get the results, the geneticist even had not heard of it. <laughs> so, Right. <laughs> yeah. At the time, it's a fairly new disorder, fairly newly recognized disorder. Um, okay. Yeah. And there was about 400 cases diagnosed worldwide at that time become quite a bit more prominent now, uh, still very rare. But uh, what it does, it actually affects majority, you know, it comes from the brain and the brainstem, the white matter that helps the brain send messages to the body that's not quite formed. So those messages aren't able to be sent. Also causes inflammation in the brain, calcifications in the brain. Um, so he will spike random fever sometimes. We do still have trouble regulating temperature a little bit in that regard. Uh, you know, it affects how he can do everything, how he can swallow. You know, he can't safely swallow because that is a brain-to-body connection. Okay. Uh, you know, we have a lot of limited mobility. Um, but as far as cognition, he is he's very smart. So.
0: Okay. At, at, like, age level?
1: You know, we can't quite answer that question because we're still working on communication and him able to express what he does now but it's seeming, it's seeming to be that way. He is, you know, age appropriate and he does have on a motion level and a, you know, personal relationship connection. He always scores right on par with his age for those. So,
0: okay. And mobile, limited mobility.
1: Yes, very. Um, We still have almost like a newborn (laughs) in a body in that regard. So you can't hold up his head very well. Um, He can prop sit with support for about, you know, with his head up for maybe 20 seconds to tops, so.
0: Will that be That's ongoing a, for the rest of his life?
1: Yeah, probably so. Uh, okay. There's several types of AGS. He has Trux one which is one of the more severe types. So it's majority of what we've seen in Trux one children that are older, it is seeming to be that way.
0: Okay. And he's in school and enjoys school, or I guess that's a loaded question with the pandemic. And
1: COVID. <laughs> we, yeah, we actually, he was supposed to start pre K uh, this past fall, but we held off because of the pandemic. So we'll be starting them this next fall, hopefully.
0: Okay. And um, what, what does, I know it's way down the road for you guys um, with him only being five, but have you thought through? what his future plan looks like, his transitional plan out of school. Have you given that any thought at this point?
1: No, it's kind of, I, I haven't. I don't let myself think that far because the prognosis for his diagnosis isn't that long. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually lived longer than they originally told us he would. So oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But we've came to find out, you know, we've learned more about this uh, disorder and everything. And I, what they told us originally is not true at all. You know, we know kids with this type
0: that have lived to be 16, 17, so. Okay. I yeah. had um, doctors say similar things about my Lucas. Yeah. Um, even when I was pregnant in utero, they said most, I mean, these babies never make it to birth. Wow. And then he made it to birth. And then, you know, probably a couple of years with with everything he's got going on. And, you know, now he's 16 and they just, they've stopped making <laughs> yeah. proclamations about his life because- <laughs> It's just like, it, it, none of them have come true anyway. So, and you can't exactly. live in that space, like always wondering if your child's going to die, like exactly. we're, all, we're all dying. And exactly. once you accept that, it's just, you take every day as a blessing and try to live in the present to the best of your ability. And it yep. is what it is. Um, so outside of his prognosis, what worries you about his future?
1: education level, I worry that no one's going to, you know, outside of our family, they're, I worry that they're not going to see him as a child, you know. Um, I worry that they're not going to try to educate him because they think that he can't learn, mm. maybe, because, mm. you know, I'm afraid that they won't try to teach him what he should be learning, and I am fear that even to the little things he'll be bored in school. Uh, it's a lot of fears around that, personally. I just fear that people won't understand that he is still a child. He just kind of locked in.
0: Yeah. His so, like his and, brain is locked in yes. In a body that doesn't do what it needs to do. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. It doesn't mean that he doesn't
1: have thoughts and feelings, and you know,
0: but she very much does. Right. What do you wish other people understood about your situation as a family? Um, I know i've referenced this before and i know for us we get a lot of guilt about like why don't you just bring luke to whatever we're doing like for instance last summer we went to the beach and you know we posted pictures and people were like where's luke where's luke well to bring luke to the beach is an exhausting undertaking and i know as luke's mom that he won't enjoy the beach and he will just plop himself in the sand and start eating sand, and then scream to go get back in the van until we get back in the van, and then he sort of ruins it for everybody. So we ended up getting a caregiver for him. Do you have anything like that, that you wish you could just explain, like this this is why this is difficult in our family, or this is why we do something the way that we do it? Yeah,
1: I'd say just, you know, how much longer it takes us to get places
0: oh right
1: i mean it's not you know our our mornings look different and it's just extra steps you know mm-hmm. along the way and when we go to a restaurant i always feel so guilty when the waitress you know they ask what you know what would he like and i appreciate them acknowledging him and asking what he wants and i'm like oh nothing for leo and i'm like oh great they think that i'm not feeding my child right <laughs> <laughs> because he's all g-tube fed you know he doesn't eat table food <laughs> Right. So that's always, you know, I get some weird looks on that. Uh, It doesn't bother me as much as it used to, but.
0: Yeah, but you don't want to like dive into your whole story with.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I have before just because, you know, you just get anxious and you're like, oh, oh," and they they look at you like you're crazy.
0: So. (laughs) Right. So you said, like, it takes you a lot longer to get places. Can you walk us through sort of what that process looks like?
1: Yeah. He, you know, so he's all G-tube fed, so we have to pre-mix his food, make all that up. Um, especially in the mornings, it's a little bit more difficult. You know, he, we have to get all of his medications. There's several medications he takes in the morning together. Um, even just getting him ready for school, it's, he has zero movement himself. So it is hard to dress him. You know, it takes twice as long to get him dressed, twice as long to brush his teeth. Uh, You know, bathing him is not easy. He has a bath chair, the lifting. There's a lot of heavy lifting. Uh, He's getting heavier, but we don't have lifts or anything yet in the house. Um, You know, loading him up into the wheelchair with all the stuff that comes with him. (laughs) Especially on therapy days where we take his eye gaze device and, you know, it's just... A lot. a lot yeah it's just a lot more but we try to get him out as much as we can um, he loves to go places so okay. it just takes us longer to get out of the house
0: right yeah and my luke doesn't love to go places he would much rather uh, stay in yeah. his little dungeon in the basement and yeah. play on his ipad and we have to kind of force the issue occasionally to like yeah. know you're going to experience something new in your life other than your ipad yeah but it is, it's, I mean, it's a sacrifice all the way around um, because it's exhausting. I mean, we, we have the same equipment too the strollers and the diaper bag and the extra yep. juice and the sippy cups and the clothes and all that stuff. I
1: extra clothes because something's going to happen.
0: Yep, same here. Well, I'm a huge believer in self care and I'd like you to talk a little bit about your business and what you do and offer for special needs moms.
1: Yeah. And, you know, like I said earlier, I'm a life coach for special needs moms and I came about this life coaching actually out of a place of necessity. I needed help. I needed to start taking care of myself. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. at all. Um, so, you know, I kind of stemmed out of that and I was like, why is this not a thing? You no, know, this is, such a difficult journey to be on. Um, it's not, there's not a lot of support. So I wanted to be that person for somebody. Um, you know, life coaching is really focused on, and my program is very focused on changing our mindsets. And, you know, mindset is really everything about it, uh, but also a lot of that self-care. So take care of your mind and you're gonna be better taken care of in your body as well. Your family's gonna be happier uh, the whole house is going to be happier for it. You know, it's kind of silly, but happy mom equals happy home, right? Like the happy life situation. Happy so. life.
0: Happy life. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Okay. And you know, there's a lot of things that we work through. It's, it's a lot of working through overwhelm and kind of digging down to the, the root of the issues of things. You know, what's what's really causing that overwhelm? Is it your anxiety about it, or is it not? It's usually not actually a time management issue. It's usually stemming down from being anxious about something you know we deal with a lot of perfectionism and moms
0: thinking they're not
1: good enough (laughs) yes this is a big one um I hear a lot of moms that have so much guilt about not working on therapies with their children or not you know saying at the end of the day I didn't do enough for my child and that's really just how you're seeing it you know it's I try to help them through that and to see that working with your child on therapies is great but also playing with your child is great loving your child is great letting them be normal for a day and veg out on the couch and sometimes you mm-hmm. just need a day to be just a normal family and not work on those things so
0: we have this inner dialogue i think in america that i'm not so sure other moms struggle with as much in other countries like we have this martyr syndrome where we feel like we have to do everything. And I see in other countries, I have friends and they ship their kids off for an entire summer, like to a camp. And they're like, yeah, of course, I need time with my husband. And I'm like, if we were to do that here in America, the judgment we would get. Or like, I have a mom friend who, her kids all go to bed at eight o'clock every night so that she can spend time with her, a couple of hours with her husband. And it's like, I don't know why we can't give ourselves permission to do things like that here in America or allow the professionals to do their job. Like you're saying there is so much guilt around. I didn't work on this therapy and this therapy and this therapy with my child or like, it's okay if other people do that stuff and step in, And take some of those roles, and we allow ourselves some downtime. But it's such a struggle here. Why do you think that is? It comes from a lot of the perfectionism. I think it's how we were raised, honestly. You know, we
1: were, and it depends, you know, on the person. I can't speak for everybody, but I think we were taught that if you're a mom, you live for your family. And to be a good mom, you have to be perfect. You know, you have to do all the mom things but also a lot of us work too. Right. I know I I'm a working mom and it's, you know, I work full time and maybe plus. <laughs> and it's, it's just stems from a lot of that need to be perfect. And that's how you get everyone's acceptance. That's how you are valuable. You know, we're not getting our self-worth out of our own self. We're getting our self-worth from external
0: validation. Mm-hmm. And all the hard work we put in and that again goes back to this american dream i think where yes, you put your head down and you just keep working and then you get the pat on the back or the yes. raise or and then not only do you just keep working but then you have to like put post a pretty picture on instagram oh, yes. <laughs> of how put together your whole life your is house
1: better be spotless in that
0: right. <laughs> and you better be too like okay. Your face and your hair extensions and your lashes and everything better look perfect, which yep. <laughs> I try to so go against the green on that and have posts like awful-looking pictures of myself on Instagram just to like push against that dialogue. Like, no, I'm not walking around with hair extensions and you know fake lashes on all day long nope. in my chaotic life. Like, there's no way I could do that. So yeah i wish i wish we could start to change that that mindset here because i do think other countries are much better at giving themselves grace and allowing themselves these pockets yes. of relaxation yep and
1: i actually to- had one of the best advice i ever got a uh, piece of advice i ever got was from a mom especially a special needs mom for, much further down in her journey uh, her son was an adult and she said take a vacation just you and your husband mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. children and this was several years ago and I think about it all the time and she always tells me this take your adult only vacation and you know we did we actually are book, booking it right now for the first time for a few days away from the kids and I still have the guilt of it yeah because something might you know, happen when I you're gone <laughs> yes Well, right? yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a bad mom for leaving my children and yeah, so even after all this work, I still have this feeling guilt. go. It's a hard ingrained belief in our country, that's for sure.
0: It is. It's time to change that.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: So what would you say to the mom, and I'm the mom, who has gone to therapy and my therapist has said to me, you have situational anxiety. So, I mean, eight kids, 16-year-old with profound special needs and severe autism. He basically said to me, remove yourself from your life and you're fine. <laughs> so oh. I was like, and I am extremely intentional about self-care and my husband and I try to take a week long vacation, just the two of us every year. And
1: right. Yes.
0: I, I look at my life and I'm always trying to dissect, okay, where could I be doing better? But I think it is that mindset that maybe you're even talking about. So switching that mindset, is that what you would suggest?
1: Yeah, so the first step is finding out, because your thoughts create your feelings. You know, you could think, I'm so overwhelmed, and that's instantly gonna create the feeling of overwhelm in your body. And that's gonna drive, you know, your actions and the results of your life. So finding that original thought that's creating that anxiety, and it's probably not just one thought. You really, it's, it's not an easy one fix solution. It's a lot of work. Finding that thought that is giving you the anxiety throughout your day. And every time you think it, you stop yourself and you think an intentional thought that doesn't give you that anxiety. You know, it's finding that thought for yourself is your own work. You know, you've got to find what fits for you because your thought would be different than mine. You have to be intentional about that thinking. Um, And a way to find your, you know, the original thought that's creating those feelings in you, that's through a lot of, what I call thought uh, thought downloads. So it's just scribbling out your thoughts on a paper for 10 minutes and about that subject and just see what comes out. And you'll, you'll start to see like, oh, I have that thought a lot. Maybe that's what it is. Um, Yeah. And then you just take that thought and you purposely try to change it. You got to reroute your brain. Every time you think it, you think the new intentional thought.
0: Okay, so just retraining your brain. It's
1: retraining those pathways, those neural pathways, which we learn a lot about with our children, you know, neural pathways, I know I do, and building those pathways, it's the same thing with your thoughts, you know, it's just retraining it.
0: So as a realist, like, I slept pretty crappy last night, I'm in this carry menopausal state of life and have eight children and my sleep is pretty crappy. And all day today I've been thinking I'm so tired. So and I am so tired. How is that just how how do you balance the realist the realist of the realistic aspect of yes, I am tired with what what would that be replaced with?
1: See that one, you also have to respect yourself, too, on that. You know, you can't, you know, what it's, that one's not necessarily a thought because you are feeling tired. Okay. Okay. So you don't want to just say, oh, I'm, I'm not going to be sad. I'm going to change that thought. You, it's also about feeling their feelings. So maybe,
0: <laughs> so, maybe I need so, a nap. <laughs> you
1: know, I'm not a realist here. I'm still a realist as well. Yeah. Maybe figure out a way you can incorporate more sleep. Right. Uh, hey, But no, if you did want to give yourself, like, there's just no way you can have a nap. Um, you could try things like, I am tired, but I can get through this day. Right. Or, um, you know, you think, oh, I'm tired. I think, you know what, what can I take off my plate? Or I'm doing my best with the energy right. I have. Right. Yeah. So it's just kind of figuring out what works for you.
0: Yeah. And I do plan to give myself a little bit of grace after lunch today and yeah. just yeah. try to lay down for like an hour and close my eyes and just That's take great. that break. So yeah. well, thank you for the free coaching session.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> little Coaching session on the, on the fly there. We can always dig deeper.
0: Right. So how do you incorporate self-care into your life? What does that look like?
1: Biggest thing I've noticed that helps in my life is actually how I eat. This is terrible because I'm a big sweet tooth. But taking care of myself by not eating junk it instantly makes me feel better energy level wise. Um, So making sure I'm not just eating out of survival mode or eating my feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just probably the most basic way. But you know, my husband's really good about asking what do you need? Go take time for yourself. we, We have kind of a balancing act of that, getting to do things that we want scheduling them in and saying, hey, tonight from eight o'clock to nine o'clock, I'm doing this. You have the kids. And, so mm-hmm. you know, blocking out that chunk of time for myself. I'm doing something I just love, something I want to do. Uh, you know, it's very cliche, but I take a lot of bubble baths.
0: <laughs> Same here.
1: <laughs> yep. I mean, that's, that's my happy place. And so, yep. it, I think it's really being, I've learned to be intentional about my time off my time away and just remembering I'm a person outside of mom
0: yeah you have to give that to each other I think when you're married just those what do you need like I'm in a good place do you need to go take yeah. a break or whatever and just bounce off of each other as often as you can yeah what definitely. what are some ways that people have helped you helped your family through this whole journey oh yeah
1: I mean. Our, you know, both sets of our parents have helped us out with, you know, watching the children whenever we need to work or when we need a break, we need, um, you know, a date night. And I remember, especially in those early days of being in the hospital, someone would come up every day and give us just an hour to get out of the hospital. And so from right away, we had our tribe, we had our family really behind us. We have people still randomly. You know, send me gift cards here. here's a coffee, you know, look like you're having a hard day today. <laughs> here's a coffee. Aw, that's so, so sweet. Yeah. Right. Brandon, we'll we will have meals delivered still. It's great. Uh, really? It's yeah, we live in a small town and we have a really big support system here. It's really good. Uh, small town's been great. They've really rallied around us and everyone really loves Leo. So
0: it's been, it's been good. That's amazing. You have found your tribe. Yes we're still in search of ours. <laughs> we're actually moving back to our tribe. So oh, I'm good. really looking ah, forward to job. that. Yeah. It will. Yes. Um, that's just the realization we came to after seven years in Tennessee and no family. And it's like, we can't do this. Like we need to go home and surround ourselves with people who know us and love us and will step up and help us because it's, it's a very isolating life to begin with and then even more so if you don't have that tribe.
1: Yes. So I could not do it without our
0: family. I love hearing that you have that. And you know, I, that's my prayer for so many caregivers is to find your tribe because you can't do this life on your own. No. Where do you see a need for improvement for caregivers overall?
1: Hmm. That's a great question, need for improvement. You mean like as how we handle things or? I think, you
0: know, there's so many of us caregivers living behind, you know, closed doors and behind our computer screens who mm-hmm. are really isolated and unseen often. How, how can the general public and society at large, you know, reach out and help if they want to?
1: Yeah, I think it's really comes from, you know, if no one knows that you're struggling, it's hard for someone to know you need help. So really getting out there and even just for the world to see that this is a struggle. The more we talk about it, the more the world will know that the life we live is you know, hectic and overwhelming and full of anxiety. And I think whenever the world sees something like that, or society, they kind of tend to rally around. I just think people don't know how to help. So sometimes we got to stand up and say, this is how you can help. This is what we need. And that looks a little different for every caregiver.
0: Yeah, it does. So yeah, awareness. That's yes. like my heartbeat for caregivers is, is bringing awareness. And, and then society can do what they need to do with that. But yeah, if they don't know, they can't help. Exactly. Well, I have three takeaway questions I like to ask. The first one, how has being a caregiver changed you? Oh, man, I'm
1: a completely different person. (laughs) That is, it has made me more patient, more understanding. I had no idea, honestly, about anything in the disability community. And, you know, now I have this advocate inside of me (laughs) that Mm -hmm. I just, I feel so passionate about both, you know, people with disabilities as well as caregivers, and moms like us, it has just made me a completely different person all around, so a lot more understanding of the world.
0: Yeah, it's funny how all of us mama bears find a little advocacy in us when it comes to our ch- children and special needs, and <laughs> yep. like, I didn't know my voice was quite as strong as it is either, but it's, it's powerful when you get all of us mamas roaring together for change. Like It is. You can't ignore us for long. Second question, if you had one hour all to yourself, how would you spend it? Oh,
1: you know, honestly, I would either, i split between two. I would take a walk outside and just walk if it's nice. Um, or I would go shopping. All right. <laughs> just just by myself shopping, you know. So,
0: Like grocery shopping or? or real oh, shopping my,
1: and I'm not allowed to buy anything for my kids because I cannot go into a store now for clothing and I'm like I'm gonna buy something for myself I'll always shop for my kids
0: oh yeah it's, uh, it's, so it's that so martyr fun. syndrome yes.
1: <laughs> so I would force myself to only shop I would go to a store that only had women's clothing no children's clothing
0: <laughs> that's a good plan it's a good self-care plan yes, yes. And last but not least how many cups of coffee are you drinking these days
1: well, I'm on cup number
0: three. Okay. okay. Cheers to that. I'm on cup number three as well.
1: Yep. Um, I really love iced coffee. So, but I usually drink about two cups in the
0: morning. That's about it. So. Okay. Yep. Same uh, here. Jumpstart my engine. Yep. <laughs> well, this has been fun. Where can people find you and um, find out more about your coaching services?
1: Yeah. Uh, find me through Instagram uh, Lauren Neil Lowry on Instagram there, or, uh, and there's a link right to my website on there or LowryLifeCoaching.com.
0: Okay. And I'll put all those links in the show notes as well. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. It was nice to get to know you a little bit better.
1: Absolutely. You too. All right.
0: Well, have a good day.
1: All right. You too. All right. Thanks. thanks. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening today. If you want to know more about the Lucas Project, find us at thelucasproject.org. If you want to know more about my story, head to justplusthemess.com, and while there, subscribe to my monthly newsletter or maybe check out my memoir, Sunlight Burning at Midnight. In the meantime, please hit subscribe and maybe leave a quick review. These are so important in the podcast world as they help us gain traction and recognition. Which translates into helping more caregivers. And until our next conversation, let's do what we do best just keep living.